Welcome back to the Indotechno Podcast, Season 3, Episode 29. I'm Alan Hallowell, Venture Partner at Leading Early Stage Indonesian VC, AC Ventures, and Founder of Startup Consultancy, Gizmo Advisors. For those regular listeners of the Indotechno Podcast, you may have noticed that the series has a recent veered toward the broader impact space, with episodes devoted to recycling, featuring Hamish Dowd of Octopus, the ESG Challenge with AC Ventures colleague Lauren Flasco, and Indonesia's ongoing shift to alternative proteins with Helga Chachadi of Green Rebel Foods. Today, we explore the climate tech category. Climate tech set a record half globally with $26.8 billion in venture funding across roughly 970 deals in the first half of this year. As of June 30th, 2022, There were 47 climate tech unicorns around the world that had collectively raised over $46 billion in total funding over the last decade and are now collectively valued at $131 billion. Today, we're really pleased to have join us Jonathan Davey, CEO and co-founder of climate tech venture builder Ecosystem. Now that's spelled E-C-O-X-Y-Z-T-E-M. And here I thought we had exhausted all creativity in naming tech companies years ago. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Jonathan. It's our pleasure, Alan. Thanks for inviting us. You're very welcome. Now, Jonathan, much of your young career seems to have been devoted to impact. You worked at Tunaiku, which is a fintech company working to distribute loans to Indonesia's growing middle to low class. In other words, families that are more living paycheck to paycheck. You co-founded Youth Corp Indonesia, whose focus is to empower youth for inclusive development in Indonesia. You were also involved in corporate strategy at Clue Smart City and co-founded social impact consultancy Impact Team. What underpins this career focus at the deepest of levels? I think at the deepest level, it's about values that I'm growing up with, and it's also about upbringing. Many people don't know this, that I'm actually coming from Sulawesi in Palu, and I've been moving around from communities to communities. So the value of Gotong Royong as part of Indonesian soul in working with impact is deeply embedded, especially where I come from, we in general, come from underprivileged community. So it's about missions to give back to the community who have raised me as a person, drive that motivation a lot. That's a fantastic backstory that I wasn't at all familiar with. Now, your current focus is ecosystem, which we describe as the quote-unquote sandbox for climate tech startups. Tell us of the origin story of ecosystem. Actually, it's a continuity of my consultancy impact team. So at the time, impact team was serving a lot of different SDGs-based startups. And one of our clients was Greenerations Indonesia, the holding company of Ways for Change at the time. And they were trying to find a new model. So after we finished our consultancy project with them, the main person behind that is Mas Bijaksana Juni Rosano. He was very impressed with our visions, with our aligned missions, and also the work that we have done for him. So he decided to acquire our impact team consultancy, actually, into the Greenerations shareholding structure. 
and we become daily operational board. Definitely, we see a lot of shift in the market as well as in the broader communities where climate is one of the raising challenges and main issues that we are dealing with today, ranging from food availability, water, sanitation, air that we breathe and energy that we consume. So this is really a great time for us to really look at our sustainable futures, especially on my generation and my kids' generations, how we can actually address that while not foregoing the economic benefits of having a growth and also developed country as a nation. Again, I have to say, I was not at all familiar with what is a very interesting origin story or genealogy of the ecosystem. As you know, we at AC Ventures also happen to be investors in Waste for Change. Now, Jonathan, we state in our presentation that the climate change issue is about primary needs, namely food, water, energy, and materials availability. Clear enough. Can you share with us some facts and figures that underpin the situation in Indonesia and Asia? Sure. And that's actually a very interesting approach on climate discussions where we see in the past, we always talk about climate as something far away, right? It's about doom and gloom. It's about people, not profit. But right now we see that climate discussion is actually closer to us. We talk about 750 million people that will need food and also uh, living in coastal areas in Asia alone. And also we see that 250-ish or 300 million of those people will be in Indonesia and so this Asia is in the larger regions. We talk about availability of food where 60% more food globally and 100% more in developing countries using diminishing water resource. We also talk about the need for energy where we predict that in the near future by 2030 we will consume about 54% more energy compared to today. So it's actually a very close issue to our daily lives and we see that these climate solutions need to grow into this demand that solve not only the challenges of our raising climate change through greenhouse gas emission reductions, but also the fulfillment of these needs of the people in Asia and Indonesia. Yeah, I find I am literally encountering the realities of climate change on a daily basis. We, for instance, were looking to move into a neighborhood in the U.S., and the real estate agent mentioned by and by that the community had seen no rainfall for some seven straight years and that therefore there was massive fire risk and that the house might be uninsurable. So it's really hitting me day by day. Now, Jonathan, I want to ask you, why have we chosen the role specifically of venture builder instead of, for instance, starting a discrete startup? to tackle maybe one of the biggest problems we see. What emboldens you to create this broader platform to support what is really multiple startups? That's a very good question, Alan. And actually, I'm sure that you are aware in AC Ventures work, you guys also invested in a lot of climate startups. But the broader picture for us is that we don't need just another solution because there are many solutions on the ground. Indonesian innovators, technology enthusiasts who are really solving the challenges. The main problem is how do we bridge this gap where most of the people working are in a super early stages and they are focusing on the technology and also the impact. But a lot of them also does not understand how to commercialize that into a business and a growing startup model. So we believe that if we can help these innovators, these startups with emerging technology and innovative business model, that are the missing link 
to bridge the gap between the lack of visibility of entrepreneurs in Indonesia for climate tax vertical specifically to the later stage where most of the investments are. We remember that there are multiple, even in the numbers of hundreds of millions US dollars parked in Singapore waiting to be invested in the climate verticals cannot really enter Indonesian market because the visibility of the entrepreneur is so low. So we believe by building this platform, we can increase that visibility significantly, hence accelerating the journey towards zero emission and also better livelihoods through sustainable businesses. Jonathan, are you, in other words, saying that a lot of these entrepreneurs, they're often first generation, the space is totally new, and unlike, for instance, a serial B2C entrepreneur OG, you find that you can maybe help them with their business plan more richly than that veteran entrepreneur. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. So a lot of the startup founders that we found are first time founders actually in the climate space. So it's really different game from what we commonly see in, for example, on-demand platform, logistic platform, or in the tech space in general. So there are still a lot of new and innovative approach, which is very different than common tech startup models that we can nurture and also accelerate within this space. Makes eminent sense. Now, is the ecosystem venture builder model fashioned on any specific entities globally? And if so, if you've been modeling after another player, how have you modeled it similarly? Of course, it's a process of forming and storming, right? When we started, we see a lot of research and report from the UNFCCCC and see that venture builder is actually one of the crucial parts. And we try to model against the running and existing venture builders. So if I can just name a few, we've seen the success of Ideal Lab in the US by Bill Gross. We also see the success of Rocket Internet in Germany and also several others like Expa, to name a few. And obvious ventures, obviously, one of the most successful venture builders. But when we try to implement their model on the ground, we see that we need to do a lot of adjustment based on the market capabilities, based on our own internal capital and capabilities, as well as the flavor of the culture and also the nuance within our demographic. So at the end of the day, it is modeled against a more successful and also proven model, but also have our own flavor when we implement it on the ground. Fantastic. Well, I hope we have the chance to explore some of the more unique localizations later in our discussion. So just a basic question for you, Jonathan, how many startups do we have in the ecosystem portfolio right now? So Alan, right now we have two types of startups engaging with us. The first one is, of course, portfolio. Those are the ones that we invested in. And also we intensively co-founded with. There are four currently that are still active. We have actually built more, but some of them died along the way. But for the program, we also run a launchpad program and accelerator programs, which are the platform for us to really select the cream of the crop for the entrepreneurs and also the ideas for the climate tech that we will onboard become our portfolio. And for those, we have about 50-ish startups already within our programs. Super impressive breath. Now, what do you guys feel are the top three unaddressed challenges that need to be addressed in order to accelerate climate tech startup growth in Indonesia? So from our experience working with a lot of entrepreneurs that are already within our portfolio or cohort or even the community in general, we see that the three main things that keep coming up, the first one is about the talent 
accessibility to talent and also the capabilities of the founder building the business skills. That's why one of the thesis that we're coming in with is to help groom and also co-found it with these founders in the very early stages. So the second part is the availability of risk and patient capital. And this is happening because a lot of the investor approach are to build on top of the model that are already more mature and also lack of feasibilities of the entrepreneur in the early stage. So what happened is that we can see there are outsized investment in mobility where the impact is actually a little bit more diminished compared to if we wanted to invest in other types of technologies and solutions. So the availability of this risk capital is really hurting the early stage entrepreneurs. And we believe by unlocking this, we can improve the overall ecosystem of climate tech verticals. And the last part is, of course, navigating the market and regulation barriers. None of the climate tech startups can be implemented without a good and supporting regulations coming from the energy sectors, waste sectors, etc. So those three are the things that we also do in our programs and our blueprint for supporting the startups. Hopefully that works. Fantastic. Some very clearly stated challenges that we're tackling. A natural follow-up to that question. What are your unique contributions to improving startup methodology across those three challenges? This is actually referring back to your initial comments on our name. So the XYZ is actually our pillar of work. So X stands for exit, where we help to build talent pool, build capacities of the early team members, especially those specialized in certain verticals like energy efficiency analysts, verifications process, carbon management, those kind of specialized skills, and also building the communities for entrepreneurs through the Launchpad program. So that's the X part. And you were saying X-seed as in letter X-S-E-E-D, yes? Yes, correct. Gotcha. The Y part stands for Impact Lab, where we actually groom the founders and also help them to build their business model and allocate resource and fundraise through investment journeys. And the Z part is for Synergy, where we talk about the different platforms that we use for business matchmaking, funds, and also investment syndication. So we try to address all three levels of the challenges through a continuous feedback loop that will help us to grow out together. Gotcha. So I wanted to ask you, how specifically do you help your incubatees address market barriers and navigate regulations as you cited earlier? I'll just give an example. So one of our portfolio is working in an energy conservation and energy efficiency platform. The company name is Enertech. One of the challenges is that there are no de-risking mechanism for the projects right now for the ESCO energy service company in Indonesia to work with banks and financiers. And the deadlock happens because of the barrier in the regulation from the Ministry of Energy and Mineral Resources, which haven't really regulated the implementation of ESCO model in Indonesia. We compare this with the practices that already happens in, for example, Latin America, where ESCO model is thriving and even serving buildings from SMEs and also smaller commercial buildings and also in Europe. And we see that there are a lot of things that we can help them address together with the Ministry of Energy so that there are new regulations in place that can enable this model. And we actually do that by securing program grants and also advocacy platform from the Ministry of Energy and Mineral Resources. So right now, 
we are bringing Enertech to the same platform with the first echelon of the energy mineral resource staff members up until the ministry level to implement a new set of regulation that will enable this model to work in Indonesia. So that are one of the concrete example how we as ecosystem really go together with our founders, tap directly into the government, give them the platform and also propose solutions that can be practically implemented within the policy and regulatory system. Again, a very crystalline example there. Now, if this model, the ecosystem model is working properly, how do we make money? Of course, we want to make money and that's the purpose of business, right? There are two ways we can make money. The first one is, of course, a short-term money-making process where the goal is not really to get as much revenues from that side. We just want to make sure that the revenue can offset all of our costs to keep the company floating. So we wanted to make this into a perpetual fund generation company. The way we do that is through corporate innovation fee, sponsorship from our launchpad and events, as well as success fee for some of the activities that we are doing for our startups. But the real profit generation is coming from the venture building activities, actually where as a venture builder, we took a minority share in all of our portfolio company and we plan to have capital gain from the share that we own, preferably between Series B and later stage investments. We will recycle the capital. So those are how we make money. And right now we see that it's been gaining quite attractions, actually. Okay, I understand that. Now, more of a big picture question for you. I was reading that less than 2% of startups in Asia are climate tech oriented, while the global average is somewhere around 15%. Why this massive discrepancy? Why does there seem to be such a relatively small focus on climate tech in our time zone compared to the rest of the world? That was very interesting as well. And I'm not sure if this is the valid answer because we haven't done comprehensive research on the reasons behind that. But based on our observations, we see that right now the challenges is more on the feasibility and the scale of the startups itself. So we are seeing tons of great potential startups on a very early level and ideation level. But the one who can cross the chasm into a, let's say, Series A worthy company is still very minimum. So that's probably one of the reasons why it's very low in feasibility compared to other because the scale is just too small. And the second one is the ecosystem is still growing. It's still pioneering. It's still a little bit scattered, let's say. And over time, we believe with the right ecosystem building activities and the right supports from ecosystem venture builder as well as other ecosystem enablers will help to improve this visibility. So it's actually comparable to the rest of the world. You guys clearly have your eyes on a very large total addressable market in sharp contrast to these very low percentages of startups in the region that are climate tech. What in your mind is the total market opportunity for maybe the main categories within climate tech? If we refer to a lot of different data, Actually, the global market for climate tech is very huge. We are seeing potential for at least $1.3 trillion global market for climate technologies. And also $640 billion are 
potential annual revenues for developing countries. So it's huge market with huge impact potentials and it's untapped because of the development arc. It's a little bit slower in most developing countries. And we believe that a lot of discrepancy also happens between Global North and Global South, where in Global North, a lot of the approach are more technology intensive and also more deep tech approach. While in developing countries or the Global South countries, which also house this $640 billion annual revenues potential, have this specific approach that are replicable, relatively more affordable, and also, let's say, in an appropriate technology basis. So when we build successfully in Indonesia, we can transfer and replicate a lot of the solutions actually across Southeast Asia and also African market. And that's the vision that we are looking at. Again, something I had not even thought about being the replicability, as you said, of the solutions we create in Indonesia across other markets, similar economic profile, climatic profile, pollution output profile. So I can understand that it's a much larger opportunity if we hit it right than what lies just within the borders of Indonesia. Now, I'm quite keen to come back and talk about some of the inaugural batch of startups that Ecosystem is supporting. We have mentioned Waste for Change. Can you tell us more about that story? Waste for Change is actually a platform for waste management, integrated waste management where we can do that responsibly and also using the appropriate technology. So we use digital technologies, uh, hard tech, as well as innovative financing to address this whole value chain. And you will know because AC Venture has just let their Series A that we closed last week. With Waste for Change, actually, we try to rethink how we manage our waste. So it's not just directly going to the landfill, but how can we make sure that all of our waste are managed responsibly and integrated from the source, segregation as the source, until the recycling, as well as the turning of the materials into the materials loop and not just incinerated into energy, or at least not all of them are incinerated into energy. So we try to make sure that the lifetime value of each of the materials are extended. And this happens not only for organic waste, but also unorganic waste such as plastic, metal, etc. Thanks for that. And why don't you now tell us a little bit about what the people at Enertech are doing? Enertech is an energy-saving company, or ESCO, where they help to retrofit or change a lot of the heat and cooling activities within commercial buildings or industrial buildings. So most of our emission is actually coming from buildings right now in urban settings. And we can reduce their emissions by making the equipment that runs the HVAC or heat and ventilation systems more efficient. We can embed a better system for the pumps, water pumps, and also we can change the source of energy into solar energy. So it's an integrated energy company that helps this commercial building to transform their practice to achieve their net zero targets. And I've also seen you've got a portfolio company called Reservoir, spelled R-E-S-E-R-V-O Air Reservoir. What are they up to? So it's actually a wordplay, reserve air. Air is water in Indonesia. So it's reserving water. And as the name suggests, we try to return the natural cycle of water in urban areas. 
So they create solutions like permeable concrete, permeable paving block to make sure that all of the rainwater can be absorbed into a proper channel, whether it's drainage systems, sustainable urban drainage systems, or whether it's absorbed into infiltration wells. In the long run, we hope that the crisis of water management, whether it's overflow of water supply in the form of flooding or undersupply of water in the form of drought can be reduced with this integrated water management solution. Understood. So waste for change, as the name would suggest, focused on waste management. Enertech really focused on energy efficiency and reservoir doing flood and water management. Some of the very basic issues you've mentioned at the very beginning of our episode here. Now, I feel like it would be appropriate if we were to end with you telling us of the single most powerful form of enablement that ecosystem has brought to one of its portfolio companies. Does anything come to mind in particular? So before we come in, Waste Fortunes was stuck between rocks and hard place because it was very hard to facilitate the model for proper waste management activities that are not dependent on government interventions. But when we come in, we really look into their business processes, their business model, and also the technology that they were using, and also conduct an in-depth research on the market. We then transform the business model, we transform their technology approach. And now, since the transformations, they have grown about two times in less than a year and also have secure investments and are projected to grow even more, like two to three times in the next two to three years. So it's a testament of the commitment that we support them with and also the understanding that we brought in on the nuance of the local market to really help these solutions and startups elevate into a more sustainable and profitable business model that are also feasible. Jonathan, really enjoyed your discussion about the very unique approach of Venture Builder that you and the team of Ecosystem have taken to solve climate change-related challenges that Indonesia, but also broader swaths of the developing world face, and why this more kind of 360-degree full-on model works now, and maybe not 10 years from now, more so than a simple VC investment. Thanks again so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Alan. You're very welcome. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indo Techno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi.